Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rossman back in the chair and Pani Tozba. A 5-0 win against newly promoted Norwich means business as usual at the Etihad. And there's absolutely no need to splash out the cash on a new striker either. Um, lots to talk about this week. Grealish scores a screamer. Jesus is man of the match. Plenty of empty seats for people to talk about. Three statues and a new kit to help me discuss that and much more. I've got three blues. In no particular order, welcome to the amazing Sarah Messenger. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Nigel. And welcome also to the not-so-fantastic Edward Timpson. Hi, Edward. Hi, Nigel. Thank you very much. <laughs> and the mediocre and very average David Blakeney. Hi, David. Thank you, average Rothbound. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let, let, David, let, let's start with, uh, with 5-0 on Saturday. Um, and before we do that, just just being back in the ground and and, and being with fans and back at home, um, that's that's special. And after all this time away, we've got to talk about that first, haven't we? In terms of atmosphere and just people being back in football ground, that that's really special. And after all this time, yeah, I mean that was great. And just hearing a crowd makes it a very different game to listen to. Um, and you know, I think listening to all the games, to be honest, I think. Everyone's had a boost from having a crowd behind them. Uh, I'm sure Tottenham did the week before as well, because I heard that atmosphere was great. So I just hope in a way what it does do is make all the atmospheres in all the grounds even better for people appreciating that we're all back watching football live. So, But it's just lovely seeing people, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. And Sarah, what, what did you miss most? Or what is it you've missed from, from being away from actually having to rely on your sofa and not being there at the stadium, meeting up with your mates, having your your coffee and edible cups and all that sort of stuff now, of course, this season, which is really exciting. What what, what have you missed particular, Sarah? I think, I, I, for me, I think it's that sense of belonging that you get from, you know, walking to the ground, whether it's a home game or an away game, that sense that you're somehow connected to the other blues that are there, whether they're in, you know, shirts, scarves, singing songs, you know, that's the emotional bit of football that um, is really important to me. So that's what I've missed most. I've watched most, I mean, you know, like everybody else, I watched every City game um, on the TV when we weren't allowed to go. I enjoyed watching them play. I enjoyed watching them win the league last year. It's not as if it was a it was a, it was a bad experience, but nothing beats sharing that with other people and other city fans. And that's for me the most important thing about getting us back in the grounds. So, and Edward, finally you, and then maybe you can sort of also then just kick off with your reflections of a of a, a storming performance against 
what was a, a fairly poor Norwich side. Yeah, I think a very, very poor Norwich side. But you're right, just to be there in itself was uh, such a relief after such a long time. And what I, I just loved all the all the rituals, even the things that sort of annoy me when I'm there uh, in normal times. The you know my lack of bar presence. Uh, the you know an hour to to keep in a queue outside um, after the game in the car park. Uh, but just the football chat, seeing all your usual suspects sitting around you, catching up, all of that makes it uh, such an important part of our lives and one that we've missed so much. So just just being there, despite the slight debacle of the digital tickets, which we might come on to, um, I, I, I couldn't, uh, couldn't have enjoyed it more. And the performance obviously added to the occasion because it gave us something to cheer about. We're actually scoring goals. Uh, which um, not only is a, a, that, that a relief as well, but also seeing it coming from different quarters and you know a lack of striker didn't seem to stop us. But uh, again, that's I'm sure something we'll we'll come on to. And it was against a, a pretty brittle back four that Norwich put out. They changed uh, one of the, I think the left back at half half time because they were really struggling with uh, with what we we were throwing at them. So I don't think we should take too much out of the game in terms of what it tells us about the rest of the season. But what, what it does show us is that we're back. I think we're hungry for success and, and the fans certainly are absolutely delighted to be able to go back and properly support our team. Well, I'll tell you what, Edward, just just, just talk us through the tickets because obviously you, you were there at the weekend. Um, and I'd be just be interested to know kind of how you found it, um, the whole process of downloading it first. But then in terms of queues at the ground, uh, um, people confused, people complaining about not having paper tickets. What, what was your experience and those around you? Well, the first you really need to speak to is my 78-year-old dad who uh, who was uh, holding the digital tickets on his phone. He doesn't quite know how they got on there um, and he didn't quite know how to flick through them. And um, we ended up actually printing them out and taking paper tickets back to the traditional <laughs> type of ticket just because just there was so much sort of nervousness that maybe what we had wasn't going to work. So we did get into the ground, uh, but the car park ticket still hadn't uh, arrived. So there was... Uh, apparently a, a secret word that we had to say as we went through the gate, which turned out to be hospitality. Sure. If we said yes, then we were let in. So there's oh, obviously sure. a bit of um, bit of work to be done to smooth out some of these 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 early problems. I mean, we're not the only club who are doing this. I think United are doing digital tickets. Is clearly where the world's going. We're all having to put our our lives on COVID apps and, and the rest of it. But there's um, quite a lot of. Um, so gremlins, I think, that they need to try and uh, iron out before the next home game because um, people like my my dad were, were were feeling that maybe something of the experience is being lost. Um, he quite liked his little credit card he kept in his wallet, which um, would let anybody in. And the, there's a big tr- problem about trying to transfer tickets to to other people who who want to take them where you can't go. So lots to sort out, but you know, I, I think eventually they'll probably get there. We'll just have to accept it. And just finally, on, on the other bit of new stuff that the. Uh... Uh, edible coffee cup. Did you did you go for one of those, or did you see any of those around the ground? Did you, did you sample one? Uh, well, um, my bar presence meant that I was struggling to get anything to drink, as uh, as alluded to before. <laughs> now I didn't come across that, but maybe one of the others can uh, enlighten you, or you can, Nigel, as to the exotic experience of the um, uh, di- dissolving caffeine. Yeah, exactly. Sarah, did you did you go for the digital coffee cup this time, or, or did you give that a miss? No. <laughs> No, but then if, if we're um, if being serious for a minute, the uh, you know there is far too much waste in this world and far too many plastic coffee cups. So if they've come up with a way of serving coffee that doesn't create additional waste, um, I'm all for it. Good. So, let's talk about Jesus then. Not 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 the Jesus, but but our Jesus. 
I mean, what what a performance. Made goals, seemed to just dominate that wing, playing much a much wider role, not as an out-and-out striker. Uh, made goals, looked comfortable, looked confident, and got lots of praise from Pep as well. What, what a performance from Gabriel Jesus. Well, I thought it was an unbelievable performance. And you know what was so refreshing to see one of our wingers actually are able to cross a ball because his crossing was absolutely deadly. And and I just can't remember when we've done that because however good any of our players are on either wing, we just haven't had clinical crossing before. And it's very frustrating. So that was just, I mean, and also, of course, you know, he made three, in theory, made three of the goals, but he also had made another goal that got disallowed. He could have been on four assists in that. So if he's that good on that right-hand side, and maybe he should be playing there, then that's that's going to be very interesting because um, I thought it was the best game I've seen him play for a long, long time. How did you see it, Sarah? I, I, I mean, I agree with everything David said, although I think I'd probably suggest that Kevin De Bruyne has put the odd decent cross in in his time. But, you know, I know <laughs> what you mean. We, 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 do have, we do have a fair number that seem to hit the first man. Yeah. He was fantastic. And as somebody, we've had the debate about Gabriel Jesus on this programme many times, and there's mixed opinions about him. Um I've always been, well, when I say a fan, he's not my favourite player. He's not never wowed me to the extent that I'd be devastated if he went. But I've always felt there was more to Gabriel Jesus than we were getting. And that if we persevered with him, there was a chance he would turn into the kind of player that I think we were excited about when he first signed. Um, if that's, I mean, it, it makes me question why it's taken so long to figure out that maybe the right wing is the best position for him. But, um, you know, if we figured it out now and he's happy and apparently he is, he plays there for Brazil. He likes playing in that position. Um, He, you know, this could be fantastic for the rest of the season. I mean, the city of, of, you know, a lot of our goals, if you look back over the last five, six years, a lot of our goals are a penetrating ball for somebody to run onto, to cross across the six-yard box and somebody, Sterling, usually taps it in. Um, they don't on one level they don't look like glamour goals, but actually they're they're brilliant because they're the result of lots of practice on the training ground. Um, but if you don't get somebody who can get the ball across the six yard box and miss the keeper or miss the first man, that tactic is uh, rather redundant. So um, I'm sure we'll have a debate in a minute about whether we need somebody else in the middle to tap them in. But great performance, <laughs> really pleased for him. I mean, what what surprised me, Edward, was it, it, in terms of the week before against Spurs, okay, you, you might argue that you're talking about two different ty- uh, sides, different calibre, but it was chalk and cheese. I mean, we looked like champions and we looked nothing like that the week before at Spurs. So and it was it was pleasing to watch. And, and Sarah's pointed out a couple of the goals were typical City, um, incisive, move the ball quickly, fantastic finishing, all the things that, that you want to see. It, it really was a almost a complete performance, wasn't it? It was, and it felt like more of the players were sort of round pegs in round holes rather than, than playing slightly out of position or in a formation that they weren't as comfortable with. And that, that shone through, particularly on the right, where Jesus was uh, with Walker. So the amount of pace that between the two of them that they were throwing at, at, at Norwich down down the right, they just couldn't cope with that. And that came with the level of skill that we know Jesus has always had. Uh, but some of the balls that he was cushioning down and and finding a bit of space, some of his running off the ball, which um, 
you know, he's, he's never sort of stood around much on the pitch. He's always trying to make runs, but that seemed to suit him with that combination on the right with Walker. So that gives us a, a lot of hope. And Mares is, I suspect, sweating on his place a little bit um, based on, on that performance. And it, it also, I think, gave us um, some more solidity in, in the middle, uh, where when Jesus has been on the left, previously on the left side, he, he tends to drift in a bit because he's right-footed. So it gave us more width. And we really utilised that and, and pushed the game quickly out to the flanks. So, yeah, it, it was a he was deservedly man of the match, no doubt about it, amongst some other really impressive performances. Uh, and hopefully, as, as Sarah said, as it's his position, he played for Brazil where he was when he was a youngster growing up. It's where he can offer us more, more uh, in the in the coming uh, coming games. But uh, I think we'll probably still see Pep fiddling about a little bit with the front three because he's got lots of options. So we'll we'll see what happens. But certainly he's um, going to be pressing hard for that place uh, against Arsenal. Absolutely. And the last couple of weeks we've talked about our hundred million pound man uh, Grealish um, nailed on goal of the month. Of course, I mean fantastic strike. Um, uh, unstoppable I think I can't think of a keeper in the world who would stop that anyway or a defender um, absolutely brilliant so uh, we look forward to seeing that replayed many times on match per day uh, but being serious about it we, we've talked about it you guys haven't been on so here's your opportunity to maybe give us your views on Grealish um, still covering lots of column inches and lots on social media um, great obviously seriously for him to get his first goal in his home debut uh, but just kind of your thoughts on him as a player, what he brings. Um, I'm, I'm not going to ask you if he's worth the money because we know the answer to that. But, but more importantly, what he brings to City, David. Um, what are you looking forward to seeing from Grealish? What's he going to bring? Um, I think he's been a little bit tentative at the moment, a little bit almost shy. It's almost that he's a bit um, overall that he doesn't want to... The way we know he can play when he was at Villa... He's not doing any of that because I think he had the confidence at Villa to do it. He looks like he just wants to settle in because he didn't really do a lot. And let's face it, if you didn't know the difference between him and Jesus, you'd think Jesus was a £100 million player, not not, not uh, Greylish. But um, I think he's going to need time to settle. And he, I think it's more about him gaining confidence. He's not used to being surrounded by a load of other world-class players. And he just needs to settle down a bit and get, I think he needs that confidence because he's one who needs to do what Jesus did on the other flank. So uh, a slow start, in my opinion. Sure. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, we had someone last week who I think gave us a statistic that he, he has an average of four or five, I forget the exact figure, four or five fouls. He was only fouled once in this game, so I'm not sure what that tells us, Sarah. But, but what are you particularly looking forward to? Um, I mean, look, he's a, he's a really exciting player. He... He's got the potential to do the the unexpected, or to have a, to, to bring an element of skill that goes beyond what we even expect of the great players we've already got at City. I think one of the things we agree is I agree with David that he's a little bit a little bit more tentative at the moment. I think that's partly probably the nerves that you inevitably come with a big money move, but also I suspect at Villa. He was their best player. He was probably largely given a license to do whatever he felt like doing. Whereas he's very much playing now for a manager who has a system and you have a role and you have responsibilities. And like any new player joining the team, he needs to get his head around that. And so I, I think I don't think his performance performances have been too bad for somebody who's what played a game and a half for us. I think there's a lot more to come, especially when he's comfortable with the system and what's expected of him. And also when he's got his mate Kev 
alongside him, that might perk him up a bit. <laughs> his mate, his hero, Kev, I think. He, he doesn't his stop hero, talking about yes. it, does he? I think mm-hmm. it's uh, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, Edward, your, your thoughts of uh, Jack Grealish? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he's done okay. And it's, there's quite a lot of adjusting that he's having to do to the way you know, City's pattern of play operates. So I think he's still trying to come to terms with that. And, you know, as the others have said, he had pretty much free range when he was at, at Villa. So trying to understand his role and how he fits into the team is going to take a little while. He will sprinkle a bit of the stardust. You know, a lot of, a lot of people, even who don't particularly watch football, know about Jack Grealish. Um, certainly my wife does. So um, the Fulham <laughs> inches are, are not going to disappear with, with him, hopefully positively, as, as a City player. Um, but I, I, I think David's right. He, he feels a little bit when when Foden first got into the first team for City, slightly overawed by the people around him, wanted to do well, but didn't want to make a mistake. And I still think there's going to be a lot more to come from him. The pressure will always be on him to be in the first team after that uh, 100 million uh, pounds uh, tag that he's he's carrying around with him. But if he keeps scoring goals like he did last week, which as I uh, I think I agree with you there, Nigel, just shading the Ings scissor kick as the, the goal of the week, um, then uh, yeah. we can't really complain. But, um, you know, I, he's, he's going to be a real asset for the club and, and hopefully on the pitch uh, we'll see... Um, the very best of him once he gets that confidence up. I think it's important that he scored on Saturday because whilst, um, as you rightly say, it's a goal of the season contender, in a way, what's important is, um, you know, I was having this debate with somebody about, you know, just went, shinned it in, which he did. But actually what's important is he was in that position. And I don't care whether he shins it in, heads it in, or, you know, butterfly kicks it in. If it's if he's in the right position, you cannot miss from there with a cross like the one Jesus gave him. So I think that will do him a world of good. It will. Lots more from Grealish. Lots more from us as well. After the break, we'll be talking about some of the other goals, our new third kit. Uh, we'll talk about statues as well if we've got time and thoughts on Harry Kane as well. And we'll do all of that straight after this break. Welcome back. Well, we, listen, we talked about the Greenish goal. Let's just whiz through the others very quickly. Um, I don't know. Edward, kick us off on this, would you? Um, the cruel own goal. I mean, that was kind of typical City, as we said earlier on, wasn't it? Yeah, very reminiscent of many of the goals that we scored over the last five, six, seven years. If you whip it in there at speed in the right areas with uh, you know defenders trying to roll back and... Um, and, and protect their goal, you're going to get the odd lucky ricochet. Uh, but it was another example of, of Jesus getting behind the defender, uh, putting in a really good, dangerous cross, and we reap the benefits. And you know, sometimes it's your day, sometimes it's not, but it got us off to a great start, and we never really looked back. And Sarah, I'm going to give you the disallowed goal, because I know you like talking about referees and VAR and decisions. and that's what you're, 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 a, you're an expert in this field, of course, and I always enjoy the debate with you. So uh, disallowed, VAR ask the referee to go and have a look at it what what is that all about what was the what was the obvious error there to you then there wasn't an obvious error it wasn't a foul <laughs> and it was a goal so it's a very short answer Nigel um and thankfully <laughs> it didn't really affect the outcome I mean 6-0 would have been nicer than five but you know it, it's it was it's what irritated me as well is we um we saw some promising signs in week one that silly silly niggly things that were being blown up all the time and slowing the pace of the game and and so on were were kind of potentially being ironed out and referees were letting the game flow a lot more um 
and you saw the tackle on, well, you may have seen the tackle on um, uh, Fernandez, you know, when he rolled around because his leg had fallen off against Southampton. And that was allowed to go and Southampton scored from it. So, yep. you know, we're back to inconsistency, but it was never a foul. It was a perfectly good goal. And I'm sorry for Torres because it was a good finish, really good finish. Mm. And I'm frustrated because you made the point about the Euros as well. I think a lot of progress was made and referees got a lot of good press in that tournament because, as you say, they were allowing things to go. The game was flowing better. They were using VAR less. And I was just really amazed that, that no one was probably thinking it should have been this far, but maybe... I think possibly the Norwich players got a bit upset about it. But when you see it again slow down, it really, I just, I'm frustrated by it. I'm disappointed by that. I, I, I just can't see that being a foul any, any day of the week. Anyway, um, David, um, Laporte was again in the right area and was first to it and hit the back of the net. Good to see a defender scoring, always like that. Yeah, I thought he finished it well. I, I like Laporte. I would be absolutely gutted if he leaves. I mean, he's a great defender and he can score goals and he's great in the air. And um, I, I think he, he's a great player. So I was pleased for him. I hope it gave him a bit of a boost. Um, so that was good. By the way, can I just also mention on the disallowed goal, didn't an identical tackle, that's what really frustrated me. Anyway, um, but yeah, it, it's... Um, Laporte is a very good player. So Sterling, I just he's not scored for a while and, and, and for City anyway, and lacking a little bit of confidence. And again, Edwards, I've come back to you for another typical City goal again, but uh, good to see him on the score sheet. Yeah, absolutely. Particularly after he seemed to uh, rediscover his form in the Euros and then we thought he'd lost it again once he started the season back in a City shirt. And it, it, it adds another dimension to the, the, the centre-forward conundrum or certainly who's going to be uh, the fox in the box because what I like about Sterling in that position particularly late in the game is you know, he's so quick and also he's sort of started to hone the skill a little bit over the years doesn't always get it right we've seen a lot more of these goals from him and he seems to me to be much more potent at the moment rather than coming off the left being in much more of that that sort of position I know he can do it from the left but I think it was just an example where um, you know he's another option should we want to uh, different parts of the game Use him in that role. If we're not, you know, we're not going to be doing long balls into the box for our centre forward to header at the moment because we don't have anyone over about five foot nine in our front line. So this is another way of doing it, and it, it's successful. And Sterling has, has shown he can do it. So maybe, maybe he's the answer for at least some of the games where we need someone right up front tapping in those amazing crosses. And Sarah, the the Mahrez goal at the end just again makes you realise this array of talent where we've got you know, two international footballers in pretty much every position. And the challenge Pep has got in keeping these guys happy, rotating them, making sure they get enough game time and there's enough competition. That's such a, a difficult balance to, to, to keep for the, for the guy. I mean, it's obviously what he does and that's what he's great at. But that, that's a big challenge this, this year, isn't it, for him? It, it is, but it's, it, it's just part and parcel of managing, you know, one of the best teams in the world where, you know, Grealish has come to join us, not because he thinks he'll play 90 minutes in 38 league games, but because he knows he'll learn, he knows he'll become a better player, and most importantly, he knows he'll win trophies. And the the compromise you have to make as a footballer is that you are not going to play in every single game. I suspect all the City players want from Pep is that he doesn't have favourites and he rewards them for good performances. So Laporte played well on Saturday, um, the suggestion is he's going to start against Arsenal. 
in a way, that's fair. Much as Stones had a great season, actually maybe Stones has got to displace either Diaz or Laporte for a while, or he plays when it's time for one of them to be rested. You know, it's, it's the, 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 the cliche about a nice problem to have is particularly true when it comes to managing City. And what all we want is players who are all on the top of their game and we none of us look at the team sheet and think, oh no, why is he playing? You know, we, we trust Pep to pick the right team for the right game. All right, I'm going to touch on something really, really quickly, just because it's, it's had a lot of people very excited. We we are going to talk about Kane, and as we are recording this, he's still not a City player. And in fact, he came on for Spurs, I think, as a substitute at at, uh, at the weekend. Let's talk about this third kit. Had a lot of negative press. Uh, no badge, or it's on the, on the back. Um, it's woven into the fabric, I believe, as well, um, and it looks just different to any other shirt. So, you know, why do we need a third kit? You could argue it's all about money. It's all about shirt sales. Edward, I know you'll have a view. You have a view on everything. Your your thoughts on Manchester City's navy blue third kit, please, sir. Well, we know why we have third kits. Uh, it's not because uh, they think they're going to play better football wearing them. It's all to do with the merch. It's all about getting more of them flying off the shelves, create a bit of controversy. And if you look at our, some of our third kits over the last four or five years, uh, you certainly wouldn't be, uh, I don't know what you might, Nigel, but I certainly wouldn't be walking uh, uh, into a, a smart wine bar wearing one of those, um, let alone going down the pub. So uh, maybe just by getting the publicity, they've achieved their objective. Um, I'll let you into a little secret here. Every year, the only bit of kit I buy are the socks. So, so I can wear them for my um, rather pathetic 50-year-old men six-a-side football on a Sunday. And actually, the green ones this year, the one bit of uh, kit which is slightly off, off the wall, I do quite like those. But the, the, the shirt, I'm afraid, leaves me very cold. I won't be buying one. And my team's called Manchester City. It's not called Man City. All right. Very good. I, 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 we'll, we'll talk about the smart wine bar as well if we get a moment. I'd look a fascinated to know which one you're thinking of. But uh, we'll, we'll come on to that maybe if we have time at the end. Uh, David, and as smart wine bars you, you, all over the world, you're seeing them with, with the great and good. Indeed, yes, I am. Yeah. But, but, but your thoughts on the third kit, the, the Man City shirt? Well, my analogy of the City shirt is... Um, when you've been in the wine bar and had too much to drink and you see one of those shirts, <laughs> um, you might, you know, might make you feel even more real because it's awful. But anyway, you know what? Sometimes maybe if you've got a good home, a good away kit, you need something completely different for that small element who doesn't want to buy either one. So maybe it's about giving something a bit different and causing a bit of a talking point. So uh, not great, but... Sarah, you, you put your order in, Sarah, for your next trip to the wine bar? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm in there every night, Nigel, as you know. Um, I, I, so I'll give you a different view. I actually quite like it. Um, and I, uh, you know, in a way, I'm glad they've gone for something different. It, the bottom line is none of us have to buy anything that we don't like. I love the second shirt with the white, the white, which seems to be incredibly popular and everyone's buying the white away shirt. I suspect they won't make that many appearances in the blue shirt, but I like it. And I think for some fans, they would, you know, rather wear something that potentially could almost look like more of a fashion top than look like a football shirt with a badge on. It's clearly a football shirt. For the purists amongst us, that might be horrendous. A football shirt should always have a badge on it. But, you know, there's no rules. And the bottom line is, as 
as um, Edward said, this is about making money and selling merchandise. And for years and years, we probably sold about 37 shirts in the summer uh, ready for the new season. So now we're selling 337 million of them. Good, because it's bringing money in. And that, that's what brings us all our fantastic world-class players. So it's fine by me, Nigel. You've led us in very nicely, needing millions of pounds to bring in world-class players. Let, let's talk about it then. Come on. Uh, first of all, your thoughts on Kane. And secondly, do you think we'll actually get him? Sarah? Oh, I knew you'd come to me first. Okay, so um, I know a lot of City fans, myself included, just think, why don't we just wait and buy Haaland? And I wouldn't, you know, I'd be delighted if Haaland came to City. But I suspect that City know that he is probably going to go to Real Madrid, although that's no deal has been done. But um, Or you could wait and he breaks his leg next year and so on and so forth. I think, and have done for a long time, no matter how good we are and no matter how we play, any decent football team needs a world-class striker, a finisher. And what City don't have is a world-class finisher. Um, we're, we're fine at tapping the ball in when Jesus lays it on a plate or Kevin lays it on a plate. Any of our team running one-on-one one on one in the goalie, with possibly the exception of Kevin, and even then I'm not 100% sure, I am never convinced they're going to score. I can't think of a single player that I guarantee you will score running in one-on-one -on -one with the goalkeeper. Um, we don't head that many goals, other than possibly from centre-halves and corners. I think he'll bring a dimension that will make us even better. So I would buy Harry Kane in the absence of anything better available. We won the league, uh, Edward, with Aguero out a lot of the season by employing a false nine, by employing these world-class rotating strikers, uh, people from midfield playing at a false nine, lo lots of different variations and permutations worked last year. Do, do we need Harry Kane in your view? It did work last year and there is a case to be made for it to be able to be done again this season. I think the difference is that we haven't actually got Aguero and I know he didn't play that much last season but we, we don't have him at all. That A lot of the other main competitors, your, your, your Liverpools, your, your Chelsea's, Man United's and so on, they've, they've strengthened particularly in that department and I think that makes it more difficult for us overall to, to, to stay ahead of the pack. Uh, we've got room in our squad. I think we're about three light. Uh, and by the way, just a quick word about Cole, uh, Cole Palmer. I thought he actually had a, re a decent effort when he came on uh, on Saturday, albeit against Norwich. Uh, so one for the future. My worry with Kane is, apart from age and injury and, and value, um, his, his scoring exploits that you know, we, can't, we can't deny... What I wouldn't want to happen is for us to start selling other players in order to make up the money that we need to hand over to Tottenham to, to bring into City. Um, apart from Mendy, um, who I'm not sure we get much money for anyway, um, I'm really even not keen that, that Bernardo goes. I know we think, we think he probably wants to, uh, and that may may help um, pay for, for any deal with, with Kane. But um, I'm not, so I'm not completely sold on it. I think we will probably put in one last bid, take it or leave it, um, this week. Uh, and we'll we'll see what materialises. Kane is itching to come and play for City. There's no doubt about that. So at least we've got his desire. He's not someone who's coming under sort of false pretenses. But I think ultimately, if we're going to win the league this season, as long as we don't lose players by, by bringing Kane in, um, I'd be very happy to have him. Uh, and I think he will bring quite a lot of uh, excitement 
uh, as well as some of the, the work that needs to be done in the team, and particularly the hold-up play, which he's good at, that we're lacking at the moment, that someone like Jacko was 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 one of the good pro- pro- proponents of, uh, that would just keep us ahead of, of that chasing pack. So on balance, um, having set out some of the um, sort of pros and cons, um, I would take him uh, because uh, I think, as Sarah says, there's no... Uh, we haven't seen a plan that suggests that Haaland is definitely one that is going to be coming to City either in January or next summer. Uh, in without that backup plan, uh, we need someone of the class of Kane. He wants to come. Let's see if we can get him, but let's not lose some of our other brilliant players that we we can ill afford to do so and, and reduce the squad again. I, I wanted to come in on a, a, a sort of associated point, but I, I think David, did you want to say something about Kane? Yeah. I'm- couple of things I would like to say. Um, after watching Chelsea yesterday and Lukaku, there's no doubt they are going to be so much benefit and get so many of those odd points when they were drawing and he scores. And I think he's going to win them a lot of points. We can't go without a world-class striker this season because I think if not, Chelsea will win it. So we've got a problem if we don't. I feel it's a bit vulgar spending that amount of money on a 28-year-old with a bit of an injury, you know, potential injury record. You know, we've been proud that we've never spent more than 65 million on a player. So to spend 100 million, then 140, 30, whatever, for me, it's a bit vulgar, but it's not my money, not our money. But it does sort of grind a bit on me on that. But... I don't know who else. I think Sarah's right. I don't think we're going to get Harlan because we must know by now whether he's interested. And if he's not, then really, I suppose, you know, Lewandowski is, what, 33? He'd be great for one season, but he's not long-term. So I don't think we've got a lot of choice. If we don't go for him, I don't know who else we'd go for. So we're sort of stuck a bit. David, what about kind of the, the, the other way? People have talked about Bernardo Silva potentially disappearing. We've mentioned the port earlier. How much will we miss Bernardo if indeed he does go? Bear in mind, we've now got Grealish who plays in a similar position. I, I think the problem is, Edward, and, and you're coming out on this, I, I, I'm not quite sure whether we can afford to keep all those players. I think we've just become a bit, Top heavy in the amount of players we've got now and quality. So who who do we let go if we need to let at least one of them go? Uh, was Bernardo probably the one we could let go? I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not. I, I don't know how good I am at assessing whether he he brings as much value as he did before. So uh, I wouldn't be too upset with with Grealish in the side, Edward. You, would you would you be upset to see Bernardo go, or is he sort of the sort of player that actually would be a natural one for the exit door? I mean, I do have a lot of time for Bernardo. He's had a couple of seasons where he's his form's dipped. Uh, he's had one fantastic season where he was unstoppable. And where where I like having him is you know a long season, four competitions, trying to win the Champions League. Uh, he, you know, he's got a good engine on him. He 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 can play European style football, if you like. Uh, so so I do like having him as as an option in the squad. We have talked before at the end of last season that that Sterling uh, wasn't really showing for for the team. We wondered whether he'd sort of lost some of his his mojo and he was worth looking at, at moving on. Uh, maybe what's happened over the summer and the Euros and um, uh, scoring scoring already this season. That's still maybe something to think about, but lost some of its um, potential. So it's between those two for me. Um, but ideally, 
I, I would prefer to keep both of them. Um, but if Bernardo <laughs> does does really want to move back to Spain or, or Portugal um, or get a, another uh, another option elsewhere, then maybe that's the that's the way to go. But I would be uh, very sorry if that, if that was to come to pass. Just one quick point, which links to this and to Kane, which is um, I'd be sorry to see Bernardo go, but I also am pretty excited about at least four of our academy players. You've mentioned Palmer. There's obviously yeah. Delap, McAtee. Um, I think there's a young left back. Is it uh, Alex Rob- Robertson, uh, who's on loan at the moment? Oh, I think we sometimes we have to, you know, I'm, obviously we've got the Foden example, but I am keen to see two or three more City players uh, from the academy establish themselves as great players in a great team. And one of the things about Kane coming is that I kind of hope they do hold on to Delap and Delap gets a chance to learn more this season so that by next season, he's he's a great striker on our books. He, you know, it'll be a while till he's world-class, but I think he's got the potential to be a really good player. Uh, and, and as I say, there's more than just him. There's a few that I think hopefully we'll see in the first team over the next two or three years. I think I'm sure we all think you're absolutely uh, we are, you're right, Sarah. Um, Andy Scott is a name we'll come to love, I'm sure, over the next few weeks as the statues of Finney, Silva and Aguero are unveiled at the Etihad. Um, of course, I think he trained at the Glasgow School of Art, now living in the States. So we, we, we'll talk about that over the coming weeks. But before we do that, one final topic for this week, and that is relega- relegation-threatened Arsenal. No points, no goals. Arteta, uh, they're going down. They are relegated already. Um, the mighty Arsenal. <laughs> Edward, uh, three points now, another 5-0 win. Nailed on, surely. Well, certainly our record's improved a bit against Arsenal over the last few years, hasn't it? Because I remember going to Highbury a number of times. Remember when they had the, they knocked a, one of their stands down, they put up a, a big board where they painted on a crowd. And uh, I think our only shot at goal was the one that uh, waxed up against that uh, that big billboard of the crowd, miles away from the, the goal. And I think, I think it was 3-0 loss or something. So uh, much, much, much better uh, against Arsenal these days. And it's a testament to actually the predicament that they're now in. Wenger uh, held on far too long. They never really had a, a proper plan to, um, to to bridge the, the, the into the new era. I feel sorry for Arteta because he's he's not that experienced in that sort of role. It's a huge club. Um, that I don't know what's happened to their squad because they can't seem to get rid of the players that they still um, that they decided they don't want. Um, they can't seem to get in players that they do want. So it, it could be a bit of a squeaky bum season for, for Arsenal but I think there are enough poorer teams that they'll they'll stay up and if they're desperate in January they'll probably shore it up um, through through the, the owners dipping into their pockets but uh, yeah um, if we can't get six points off Arsenal this season compared with all the others then um, I think we might be struggling to win the league Sarah a good time to be playing Arsenal at the weekend well it is a good time because their confidence is rock bottom and they've they will still have a few players out I think um, because of their COVID issues. I'm not convinced... I mean, look, Arsenal are not going to get relegated, nor are they going to get in the top four. Um, and, and if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be seriously depressed at the moment. But Arsenal are not as bad as... Uh, you know. And I know we're being slightly tongue-in-cheek here. My, I'd actually be slightly concerned about us being complacent against Arsenal on, on uh, Saturday. All their fans expect them to lose. 
So there'll be no expectations from their fans. Um, it's a kind of, you know, they, they might as well go for it because everyone expects them to lose. Um, and I, so I, I hope, as I know Pep will, I hope that we're not complacent and we, they're definitely not Norwich. They can damage, they can hurt us far more than Norwich could hurt us. So um, I, I, I'll be very happy if we win. I'm not too bothered about whether we put five goals past them. All right. And, and David, with one eye on the clock, give me uh, the team's prediction, please, on behalf of your other two colleagues. You are the spokesperson this week to give us uh, this, this week's prediction, please. Manchester City against Arsenal. Early kickoff on Saturday. BT Sport, I believe, for those who can't get to the ground. Uh, possibly 2-0. 2-0. To who, please? To City. <laughs> Okay, uh, if we can't be Arsenal, we might as well give up because uh, unless they part the bus, but may, possibly two now. Fantastic. Listen, huge thanks to my three guests, to Sarah Messenger, to Edward Timpson and to David Blakeney. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening and we'll talk to you all very soon. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.